Hey, what's up? So, avalanche. Let's talk about it. What's, what's an avalanche? The snow comes down real fast, fierce, gains momentum. But I'm not talking about the natural disaster. Or if it's not really a disaster, I guess, if no one's around. But anyways, avalanche. What is it? You've heard about it. Now you're going to hear some more. It's an open source platform for launching decentralized finance applications, right? DeFi. That's what you want. Developers who build on Avalanche can easily create powerful, reliable, secure applications and custom blockchain networks with complex rule sets or build an existing private or public subnet, right? I think what you should do right now is stop what you're doing, even if it's listening to this podcast. Stop, pull over, go to the gas station if you need to, go to a subway. There's a subway like everywhere. There's always a subway, all right? All right? There's always a Kroger. Just stop in a parking lot somewhere. Go to alvalabs.org to learn more, all right? Stop, go to alvalabs, that's A-V-A labs, L-A-B-S dot org. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin Podcast. The only one that's making your money is you. So Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, yo, I'm the host that talks first. Uh, D. I am another host. Wait, wait. What? Wait, they don't even know what they're listening to. This is the Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode 318. They know what they're listening to. They listen to the, the intro music. Yeah, you know, but there's new people. Like They clicked uh, on the button. They, they, they downloaded it. It's just some random shit popping into their ear when they're walking down the street. They... Downloaded this episode. You know what they're listening to. I mean, sometimes. Well, what if we have older listeners and they don't know technology very well, and somehow they ain't listening to them? They ain't listening. It's fine. No old people listening to the show. What's a podcast? <laughs> Anyways, uh, welcome to episode three hundred and eighteen. That's three one eight. Uh, I'm the host that talks first. My name is D. Uh, yep. I am another host, Dr. Corey Petty, and got a third host. Mr. Uh, Jesse, Jesse and I'm temporarily here from what the header. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, Jesse, the man broke himself. Um, why do you call like... you that? I don't know why we call you that. Where did where does where does Jesse the man broke come from? I don't know. I put my handle as broke, and then D went off with that. Yeah, because he is, well, he's the man, and his handle is broke. So it was Jesse the man broke. Where did you um, come up with broke? Why is, is that your handle everywhere? No, just here. He was handle everywhere. <laughs> calm down, feds. Calm, calm. I'm asking questions. People, are, the, the people want to know. 
Asking uh, the uh, secret question questions and shit. <laughs> what was your high school mascot, Jesse? What was your uh, high school mascot? A beaver. A beaver. <laughs> yeah. What street? Well, what street did you grow up on? Uh, one, two, three, <laughs> Cherry Lane Road. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm gonna give a list packed. of three different makes and models. Which one could be your car? <laughs> Ford F-150. <laughs> <laughs> Good probability, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, we're gonna, you know, Corey. I was given uh, advice, not advice. It was like unsolicited advice. So it was like uh, it was a fuck off moment this week when somebody was trying to give me advice on how to do podcasts and uh you know it's one of those things like oh oh yeah you you should do a podcast then you should, captain podcast pro but they said uh the person said you know you should think about at the beginning of the show talking about like why people should be listening to you and i was like no and so do you ever want to do that Corey, or you want to just do like what we do um I like doing what we do because typically we don't know why people should be listening to us. Yep. There we go. So we're going to kick right into it. There's not it. a lot so, of plans going on here. We're just, we're just, yeah. we're just talking. What are you talking about? We got plans on plans on plans. We got whiteboards. No, but anyways. Uh, we're just extra. Adoption. It's been a while. Um, I know like we when we, the impetus of the show, like adoption is the only thing that matters and it's still there. It's like the, but but at the end of the day, adoption isn't going to look anything like what we thought it was going to look like when we were jizzing in our pants when we first found out about this stuff. Um, well, you shorts, you you wear a lot more shorts than pants. I wear a lot of shorts. And Jesse, I assume you wear a lot of shorts as well. Mm, I'm a pants guy. So, um, but anyways, I don't think adoption is going to be like we thought. Why? Because this shit's too complex. Like it's much too complex for 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 the average Joe. It's so it's just. I mean, there's there's technology that's been around for way longer, and it's probably arguably more complex, but has better has way better adoption just because it's been stupefied to the point of the light switch, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's too complex. There's gonna we try to decentralize all the things, but people don't want to decentralize all the things. They don't care. They don't want decentralized money or decentralized computing processes. They just want shiny lights and dopamine. What did you think? What was our original vision? Like, what what was adoption like when we started? Well, like when you, when you said it's going to be different. What was it like when we first started? Walking into Walmart, looking at shirts uh, with prints on them. You know, like looking at the shirt costs. And it's like, oh, this is cost out in Bitcoin or like going to the going shopping for some stuff. Basically, prices in Bitcoin, people passing Bitcoin that? back and forth on the street and stuff. Huh? You thought that? I mean, yeah, I did. Jesse, did you feel <laughs> that way ever? Mm-mm. OK, what's adoption look like to you, Jesse? Uh, I think I said this like a, wa- a long time ago. It's like the traditional financial infrastructure is not going anywhere. Government won't let it. They are going to co-opt blockchain and use it for their purposes. You're still going to have a human element. It's not going to be decentralized. It's going to be the false guise of decentralization. Maybe dumb people will think it's decentralized, but it's going to be centralized. Um, and then, yeah, they'll have blockchain. 
I, I would I would say that's actually happening with uh, like the Chinese government uh, experimenting with the, the Chinese digital currency. Mm. But like, there's there's still real blockchain. There's still real networks that aren't being co-opted. That eventually will get easier and easier to use. That give people an option to opt out. Like like at the same time, you have like for, take for instance the Chinese making a digital currency that they can use to do a better job of what they're already trying to do in terms of figure out what their people are doing and have full control over how the, the economy works there. You also have a tremendous amount of capital flight through other vehicles like Bitcoin because they have an option to do so. I would, I would call that adoption. Yeah. Now. Yeah, but if, if, yeah, you, I mean, if you look at what Bitcoin is poised, like, so let's talk specifically about Bitcoin, right? To bring it back kind of full circle to what the title of the show is, the Bitcoin podcast. So Bitcoin itself is, I think it definitely latched onto the narrative of digital gold. I think there's no question about that. Um, yeah, yeah. But if you think about like where the real markets are, they're not in spot prices of precious things. They are in derivatives markets. And that's where governments and banks are not going to let crypto into there. Like look at look at a DeFi, right? It's like maybe a few billion. I don't see it growing to trillions of dollars. The, the governments won't let it. Won't let it. That what are they, they going to do to stop it? House. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just asking what you think they're going to do. Pass laws. They will pass laws and make it criminal and, and give you sentences, like prison sentences, if you participate. You in heard from stuff. Jesse. Get in while you can. It's just risky. Don't do it. I mean, it's that, that looming threat is always there. Of a government just being, you know how much our world is rocked uh, as like cryptocurrency aficionados and you, Corey, you work in our world is rocked if a government like the U.S. is just like, yeah, it's illegal now. And if we catch you, it's 10 years in prison. So go for it. Make my day. And it's just like, oh, ooh, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I don't like Bitcoin. Like that, that would be a very easy decision like for broad, me. I would be like large scale, every man adoption. That's definitely the case. Because like if you if you're doing it from the fact from the, from the from the position of it's too difficult or it's too cumbersome, that could be overcome really really easily. Like if you look at every exponential technology that's ever existed when it first started, it was really really hard to use. I mean, could look at look at like electricity in people's houses or like even lighting in people's houses they used to run gas pipes in the walls of houses so that they could light them up with fire and then electricity came through that shit was expensive mm -hmm. and didn't work very well like if it's any anything you can think of that like has changed the way we live in terms of convenience or better and technology it's been really really hard to use in the beginning and it's been overcome as it gets more and more prolific and more more and more people want it and people come up with new innovative ideas and it's I go but you have to remember let me, let me interject here so now who owns electric companies for the most part it's like state and feds regulate electricity costs they were talking right? about decentralization back then like like that they didn't understand the problems of quote-unquote centralization or like centralized power back then because the technology didn't exist to mm -hmm. aggregate it in such a way where you like a, a very few amount of people could have such an overwhelming um like opinion 
and influence on the larger the, 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 the larger audience. That happened because of the way things were built back then, and they grew to the way they are now. And now we're we're in a position where we can learn from that history, and you're seeing a lot of kickback from that, especially with the way the internet grew up. Well, the only the, the like the internet was molded by legislation uh, by by legislation. Like just like just like when you design anything, any building nowadays, right? If you're if you're talking about like HVAC, electricity, like the way it flows in the building from where you pull it from the outside, all of that it's governed by lots and lots of rules, county rules, state rules, Why? federal rules. Because that's how it is. No, it's I mean, just that's not, it's not always money, dude. It's safety, it's, it's standardization, it's regulation, like, all that stuff is so that people don't hurt themselves. Yeah, so deep. Decentralized for the most part. It doesn't, protect, it doesn't protect the citizens of a country, right? The government it doesn't let the government do its job, which this is, is my argument here. And you're right here. I think you're right? very much right. Uh, but the the impetus, the importance that we have here, uh, that I think we need to like, make sure people understand is that the foundational layer, which most people won't use in in, in the eventual adoption of all of this stuff will be open and permissionless and decentralized. But when you build stuff on top of it, you can then add constraints that are associated with whatever jurisdiction you want. And that's what you enforce people to use so that you can have those constraints. So like when people start using Bitcoin and start using these things, it's probably going to be through something that has regulation like Coinbase, which is KYC and all that other stuff. So they can, they can do their due diligence. They're going to act accordingly to the jurisdiction that they're in and pay their taxes and so on and so forth. But it's still built on a very permissionless and open and broad foundational layer, which I think is like, has to be important. I told D, I told D like be maximum, maximum liquidity <laughs> for when Coinbase IPOs, because that like, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be gross. Dude, Coinbase employees are going to be walking around like see fucking that Greek uh, gods. I think I saw they're so rich. They're going to be offering loans now through Bitcoin collateral. Yeah. yeah, Bitcoin collateralized loans. Bitcoin is security. Bitcoin can now be something you can use for security. That's only in the U.S. Loan. too. That is bananas so that's like the to first. me. <laughs> Yeah, man, that that right there in and of itself is like so powerful to the legitimacy of Bitcoin that it is be it's people really don't really get how powerful that is. And I hope that they do, because but at the same time, that that that's weird, too, because it's like it's almost like you're putting your Bitcoin up for hostage just to get a loan in USD. I mean, not kind of it's almost exactly what it is. I mean, you need the money so you pay taxes just, in or whatever people accept. Um, if people don't accept Bitcoin. You need to get it somewhere else and also like if it is digital gold nobody's using that shit they they, they the, the purpose of gold is to hold it and then and then invest on top of it and build yeah. derivatives and so on and so forth because it's stable now bitcoin isn't necessarily stable but maybe eventually it will be it'll be yeah. that one day gold uh gold to build put on the windshields for stealth fighters and stealth bombers and let me tell you something. I'm building mine right now. I'm gonna need some gold for it. So I'm just, I'm just saying. Like that. Nobody uses gold. You're right. No, it's not. Gold it's actually really good pretty. for electric purposes. And teeth, dude. Okay, so when they're trying to charge me eighty dollars no, 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 for monster no, cables no, 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 for gold tipped no, no, no. HDMI. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. 
That's what I thought. And then there's this fucking guys. You're walking in the mall. Fucking guys are like, hey, buddy. And you're like, ah, oh, dude, no. Like, I don't want a chain. I'm like, nah, buddy. I'll get you a chain. Two chains. I'll get you a chain. You look like you want a Two chain. Chance. And it's like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> why are you talking to me? There's all these people walking around here, and you pick me out. Yeah, I might want that chain. But <laughs> just pick me. No. <laughs> hey, buddy. Um yeah, I don't know. Adoption is just not going to look like what I thought it was. And that's okay. Here's why it is. It's morally selfish. That's why I'll put a cap on it. When I started the podcast, I was like, man, it's great. I'm going to be in, in I'm going to be giving people information, red pilling the fuck out of motherfuckers out here on these streets, giving them all the goods, of, you know, big this Bitcoin shit. Yeah. And then as time goes on, I'm just like, yeah, fuck that. I, I should just use this knowledge to just you know, if I'm going to educate you, I'm going to fucking get paid for it. Like, I'm tired. Of, like, I'm tired of talking to everyone and helping them expand their knowledge when at the end of the day, all they want is a light switch. I was like, fuck that. Let me just, I'm, I'm, you know, it's like it's like uh, I guess I'm morally selfish. I thought I was doing something for a slight altruism. And what it turns out is people could give a fuck about altruism. They don't care. Why is it selfish? So I think I think the flaw there is that you equate capitalism with like uh, a negative thing capitalism is not a negative thing for me like if i charge you for my time huh you need a mon- you need a monocle right now talk so capitalism is beautiful you need a mustache with a mustache wax you know so, what i saw i saw a youtube video capitalism i saw a youtube video of uh i don't know if you guys know anything about like fitness youtube but there are people who charge you know two two hundred dollars twenty dollars for like a like a fitness plan or like a diet plan, right? And uh, there's this one fitness YouTuber guy who charges anywhere between $12,000 to like $32,000 to train you. And everybody was like, wow, you know, everybody started making videos like, this guy is so selfish. Like, I charge people only $100. And then this guy, you know, made a really great retort, which is that I bet you all are trying to basically sell your like a thousand, uh, sell your plan a thousand times, right? For hundred dollars versus me like i'm actually training only 20 clients for the entire year and they have my full attention and you know even though the vast majority of you can't buy this multi you know tens of thousands of dollars fitness program it isn't for you right it's for the people who can afford it who can throw that money away and like that it, it means something to them right because they make just Oof. they make that much Right? He's good. the smart one. He's a smart motherfucker. So like, like capitalism, like I don't have a problem with it's capitalism. Unchecked. It's unchecked. Right? It's unchecked capitalism. There's no really and capital. when people start making decisions that end up hurting others for 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 the gain of for only themselves. That's when I have a problem with things. And that's when you need some type of regulation or people to stand in. It's it's and so like if you let it go rampant, it can go bad. The concept of it is not. If you can charge something and people are going to buy it, good. Good yeah. job. You found a market. Yeah. Yeah. Are you trying to make a podcast, you know, to spread your education about Bitcoin and make money off of it? Like, I don't see I that as the being ethically fun. dubious. I mean, this been, it, like, also, like, it started out because it was yeah. fun and I wanted access to people to have conversations and learn myself. And in the process, it's like, why not record it and give it to people? And in the process of the years of doing this, we've built, like, the community has become the best thing about this entire thing. Like, the people who are in our Slack, who listen yeah. to us, who comment on us, who don't listen to us and still like spend a lot of time in the Slack and have conversations that are smart and, you know, contribute to the conversation there. That's what, that's what this is about now. And the podcast just gives us like 
things to talk about and me access to people whenever like people have questions like oh let's just go talk to them and pu- publish it something like that like that's that's what this is now that's all it is yeah true for sure i agree all right i also kind of wanted to talk about lightning because i feel like it ties into adoption that the further and further you get away from the set the, the the zero layer first layer um it's almost like you're it's almost like you're reinventing this shit over and over or not reinventing it but like the level the layers of complexity get dangerous fast like when i'm reading about the lightning network and how to participate and then when i set up my own lightning node i was like this is just a new bitcoin like this is totally different than the way you even think about operating with bitcoin in my eyes that's the way i felt and and the second layer is like that like staking on ether is i feel like uh proof of stake is gonna it's, it's a different way yeah, of but interacting it's not for everybody. with ethereum um it's like it's just like mining isn't for everybody like it's not it's not like that's not mm-hmm. ethereum that's the that's the quote-unquote mining of ethereum it's the people who validate it but like with any consensus network that provides some type of service there's going to be people who just use the service and there's people who provide it there's an overlap there but like because mm-hmm. someone uses ethereum doesn't mean they have to give a shit about proof of, proof of stake just because someone uses bitcoin doesn't mean they have to run a miner mm-hmm. If, if, if people are, yeah, that's it, that's, I think that's the thing okay. is that when we came in, this is going back to your original statement, when we came into this technology and got all super excited about it, there was this concept of like one CPU, one vote. Everyone's going to have a Bitcoin miner. Everyone's going to be using their CPU to like help secure the network, so on and so forth. And over the years, that's no longer the case based on how the technology moved and grew. It, it's it's much more of a sense of like there there is a subgroup of the entire community or ecosystem that is spending a lot of its time validating the network to earn money. And that's a hard job to do. It's not easy. That requires a lot of effort, education, uh, understanding how to run the, the business expenses of those things. You gotta care about computer. There's a bunch of shit that goes on yeah. with that. And then there's the, the re- then there's the people who build services and products on top of the underlying network that the miners like secure. And they're the ones that have to care about end users. So just people who just use the network for transferring, right? That's just like me or you having a wallet sitting some Bitcoin to our friends. But like we're doing that because we're using software that other people built that allowed us to do it. And it's up to those developers, the people who are building things, to provide a useful service to whatever their user base is. And that's that translation of like, is it easy to use? And just there hasn't been enough time and in, in technology development for the software that that people are building on top of these networks to be useful or like easy to use. You still have to like understand a bunch of shit in order to, in order to have like an intuition mm-hmm. on how you're supposed to use it or how to be safe using it. And that takes time. I have a question. So uh, this kind of piggybacks on what you just said, Corey, and something Jesse, you said early in the show. When you said that, like government regulation for new technology is a given for many reasons. And one of those reasons, I think, is probably for like efficiency or effectiveness of a thing. For example, like an ineffect, an inefficient uh, electrical grid would be a nightmare. Like I hear I read things about other countries where they have like these rolling blackouts because their shit's whack. So like they had to have rolling blackouts just to keep their grid up time high 
And I'm like, well, that just sounds like they've got a shitty, shitty grid. I'm no, I don't know that much about it, but it seems like if you got to have sections of your city blacked out just to keep electricity on for the most people, you fucked up somehow. The, the, the wires aren't ran correctly. I don't know. Um, but and so here in the States, in order to have electricity run the area, you got, you know, you, like you said, you got county regulations, city regulations, fucking state, federal regulations, all to assure that the grid is efficient and effective and being used correctly and safely. And so to that end, what you were saying, Corey, like in the beginning, I guess, if every computer is is a vote, then if blockchain. So then I guess my question is, is it more efficient to have a decentralized network process transactions? Cost effective, not efficient, cost effective. No. OK, then never mind. That's it. That's, that was, that's all I needed. And so, centralization, on, centralized, centralized architecture <laughs> is incredibly efficient in terms of like cost effectiveness because it doesn't have a lot of coordination. But it's also like incredible. You need to trust that individual to do all the right things. And when there's a lot of power involved with that, then there becomes issues. And that's why you have a lot of like corruption and people taking advantage of others because they have that power and they have to make the choice to not use it malevolently. And that's where like the innovation is. So I'm probably this is this is ignoramus math that I'm doing in my head. But I imagine there's billions, quadrillions of transactions a year divided by one Visa network. That's not more cost effective if it's quadrillions divided by hundreds of thousands of nodes, or it's not working that way because Visa has hundreds of thousands of nodes. I think the oh. average person makes like 30 something, like just say 30 transactions, 30 credit card transactions a week. So if there's like what uh, the, the adult population of the U.S. is like 100 something, like 100. It's 160 million. Oh. Yeah. So then just do that. Just do that math. Do 30 by 52 by. Uh, yeah, but if you're going to have that, make that argument. Um, if you look at like current infrastructure for these types of things like the payment the payment industry is is a monstrosity of of ad hoc fixes of archaic databases um and there's a lot of checks and balances along the way a lot of processes so like when you look at like what it takes to go from your bank account to someone else's bank account it's it's like what 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 is all this? It's just because we've adapted the system over a long period of time to try and work with modern day technology and, 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 the, and the internet. Now, when you look at how Bitcoin works, that's more efficient in terms of like the number of steps it takes and the amount of people who need to be involved to do so. But like, and and then one can argue, some, some make this argument efficient. that the power that people use to validate that network, so like the total hash power of the network, and people call it like the, the wasted hash power that secures the validity of the network, things like that, makes it fair, is arguably probably cheaper than the amount of money being spent on all of these checks and balances along the way of the banking infrastructure. That's what I'm getting at right there. And so if that is the key, right, if somehow enough of me's and you's get into a position where we have to worry about massive balance sheets and we're like well wait a second guys 
all this processing of things can actually be cheaper if we did this. Then I think we start to see this adoption wave of government starting to subsidize and support that original idea that a computer is a node. Because then we're going to say, like, hold up, stop. If you're going to run a blockchain node in your crib, it's got to be like this. You need this kind of unit that has all these regulation stickers on it. Like when I look on the back of a motor, I'm just like, what the fuck are all these numbers? I guarantee they're like fucking regulation numbers going in some sort of databases or some shit. But I'm just like, okay, whatever. And then sometimes I look at the legal tab on my iPhone and it's like five pages deep. I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this thing? Like they're tracking the shit out of everything I do, maybe, I guess. And so I think that if it's more cost effective to have a blockchain network, like do all these processes, then I think it does kind of get to like what you were saying, Corey, like where one CPU or one GPU is one vote, but I think it's going to be regulated. I think it's going to be regulated hard as fuck. Not soft, super hard, Dirk Diggler hard. I mean, maybe governments will be involved in that process if it gets to the point where they're basing a lot of their financial infrastructure on it. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, it'll be integrated into the system, but like, like kind of yeah. what Jesse was saying, like governments are going to government. They're going to have a fiat system so that they can control. <laughs> Can't stop a government from government. Uh, uh, okay. Let's, let's check the interview. Well, Jesse, you got something first? Anyway. We're going to, we're going to, I didn't. I thought you were going to um, say something. As far as what? Yeah, it would be great. Yeah, I mean, governments are going to government. Centralization is completely like, opposite to what they're supposed let's to get, Maybe we can get into this like on the other side of the interview. I don't like the automatic association of bad centralization. You know, All here, right, that's here's the best outcome. Here's the best outcome, right? The best outcome is enough people... Um, know of and somehow adopt without being smart enough to understand how a blockchain works. But you take the transparency of a blockchain and and government incorporates that transparency so that banks end up using transparent ledgers that a citizen can see. That would be like oh, auditors the, would be the, happy the about best that. outcome here. <laughs> All right. So like that like that they won't take, you know, like Ethereum and then like what they've, they've done and then make their own flavor of in-house Ethereum. And then you lose the transparency, but then they gain the, mm. the technology of blockchain. Like you, you you still want the the availability of the citizen to have that transparency. Because that was the whole point is because we don't believe in their lack of transparency to us because banks were getting bailed mm. out. Right? So, so that would be the best outcome is that the transparent aspect of blockchains is preserved as governments adopt it and banks are forced to adopt it. That would be the best outcome. Mm -hmm. And then you have intergovernmental blockchains where you can see money move for, you know, countries bailing out each other in terms of credit and debt exchange. But you will not get a part of that. As a citizen, like Bitcoin is like probably the closest you could have ever gotten to like getting to be in a part of that system to get a slice of that pie. You know what I mean? You're never going to get, there's never going to be an IPO for like, the Federal Reserve, right? It's just not going to happen, <laughs> right? Yeah, Across and government do that too. Yeah, I mean, like citizens, at the end of the day, you're going to have to take the taxes, right? They have to offload the risk 
and they have to offload uh, future credit creation onto the citizen. If they were to give you a slice, like if they were to IPO the Federal Reserve, that's that's counterproductive to the whole how democracy works, right? Like they have to offload shit to you at the end of the day. You just have to be smart enough to have the forward thinking and of investing in technologies that are going to happen before they even realize that they need that. That's how you get ahead because it's all about speeds, speeds of wealth accumulation. And you have to not be behind that curve. Yeah, that's you true. Not be technical. Or no you have technical to be guy. technical. <laughs> or or no listen to the Bitcoin guy. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. You go. <laughs> that's it right there. That's what you need to do. Or join the Slack. Anyways, here's the interview. Uh, here it is. All right, guys, got another Bitcoin podcast interview for you. For you. Uh, I'm today's host, Dr. Corey Petty, and today's guest, we have Ben Ark. Ben, why don't you uh, do the normal thing and introduce yourself as to, and also like how you got into this space, what you do, and um, and what you're, what, what you're, what you really care about. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Ben Ark. I'm sort of a hacker, enthusiast, Bitcoiner. Um, I've been into Bitcoin for a little while. And uh, I kind of saw a gap in the market. There weren't many people experimenting, you know, using small Arduino type devices to send and receive Bitcoin. Um, and that was at the same time as kind of the Lightning Network was kicking off. So it sort of made sense to explore that area. Um, I've just been having a lot of fun doing that, building some fun little projects, which people have expanded because it's free and open source. So, you know, they've expanded and developed them, which is great. Um, so, yeah, so I, I would probably frame myself as a like hacker enthusiast, but then because I do some tutorials as well and try and spread the knowledge of something of an educator. You said that you, uh, you saw like a kind of a, a, a big hole in the market. What, why do you consider that a hole in the market? Why do you think it's useful for people to do this? I just think it's sort of the inevitable. So there was a, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos did a, um, an interview can't remember with who it was, but in it, he said that in a future where our IoT devices are controlled by, you know, Google or Amazon or whatever, that'd be quite dystopian and there'd be a lot of, um, you know, surveillance, whereas, and data harvesting, whereas in a IoT future, which is controlled by the users, that could be very liberating and exciting. Um, but in order to control the IoT future, I mean, obviously, you know, if, 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 devices are going to be sending small amounts of value to each other, then we kind of need to integrate Bitcoin. It's also just exciting. You can take a hell of a lot of um, microcontroller projects and then incorporate Bitcoin into them, you know, through something like the Lightning Network where you can send very small transactions. Um, and then instantly you've kind of retrofitted something with Bitcoin or the facility to send or receive Bitcoin. And it becomes kind of an interesting project. It could be anything. It could be like a, a vending machine or an ATM or point of sale device, whatever. You know, it's these things aren't particularly hard to make. Um, and because of the, the permissionless nature of Bitcoin, you know, if you were to try and make an ATM, you would probably come a lot of hit up against quite a lot of regulatory control and it's quite you'd have to just integrate into something mm -hmm. like stripe or something i don't even know how you do the payment processing part whereas with bitcoin you know i can i can have my node and i can build myself a little point of sale and know exactly what's happening in that point of sale and it can speak directly to my node and send and receive very well sorry it can receive uh the transactions and very small transactions if i want to so it's completely permissionless i don't need to ask him permission for that um and it's just expanding the, the tool set 
which people have and it's useful so um there's a very famous bar in berlin called room 77 and when i first sort of publicly went out into the the bitcoin world um uh and and tried to just make contact was it was the first bitcoin hack day uh, sorry first lightning network hack day and we went to this famous bar uh, room 77 afterwards which is a fantastic bar and uh, it's a bitcoin bar the guy who owns it is an old school cypher punk he's been into you know crypto anarchy before bitcoin um he's been quite active as well and is, is something of a public speaker york um so uh he has like a bitcoin node running at the bar and i could see that he wasn't able to i mean he could accept you know on chain to his phone and then there was a little uh, project so so that he could set, accept lightning network through his phone but there wasn't like a dedicated point of sale device for him to be able to accept bitcoin so i've made i made one which he could use um and the the device i used it was you know it was, it was functional it worked and the the in his bar he's had a lot of traffic through it so um and then it, just when you make things and then put them out into the wild and test them then you find all these little bugs and then all these feature requests and there's it, it's the only way you can actually like develop a project so you can develop a project just you know from your mind and from your ambition and wherever you're able to build but then you get to a certain point where you actually need to put it out there in the world and then and let the project take on a life as of its own and that's happened with that um uh putting a cell project it's 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 uh it's, it's it's been quite successful in the bar and we've we've learned a lot from it so uh so yes yeah, so that's that was really exciting to do and it, i think it's just the fact that it's permissionless and you don't have to ask anyone permission to hack and build things um uh and also you know it's not really that hard which is something i've always you know i, I always try and frame myself as a hobbyist and i'm not a computer science I'm not a developer. I'm not a, I'm not a developer, um, but yeah, I'm able to make some of these things and make them secure. So uh, other people should be able to do the same thing. Oh man, for one, I couldn't agree more. Like the, having people experiment uh, on permissionless networks and, and try and solve problems that you don't realize kind of exist until you just happen to stumble across them, like you did at the point of sale type of thing, is it, just it's what how this network expands itself and finds like a bunch of use cases and then people are like the communities around them to solve them. Uh, but you mentioned something like it's oftentimes you build something and it takes on a life of its own. And then you get a bunch of, get a bunch of feature requests and, you know, people want, wanted to do certain things you maybe didn't see coming. Uh, and your experience is that typically, like, how much does that take over? It, or, do you typically miss the mark when you start? Or is it one of those situations where like, Oh, we can do this. Well, I want to do this too. Can you expand that? And it, and it, and it works. Yeah, I mean, so what I suck at, like, I, I, you know, I'm quite good at having sort of the initial idea, but man, I'm really bad at maintaining stuff. Um, and then answering all those future requests and pull requests. I just kind of get bored and I want to move on to the next project. It's <laughs> yeah. really bad. Thankfully, though, because it's free and open source, uh, other people then start to take the helm of the project and start doing, you know, meaningful things with it. So, for example, my point of sale project, and somebody else ported it, so it worked, you know, directly with BTC Pacer, which is cool. Uh, Dennis Ryman, he's, he's, he's contributed quite a lot to quite a lot of my projects, actually. Um, so, uh, but I mean, the journey is really nice. So, you know, you 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 make, so I, I think for the, the point of sale journey is quite nice. The one, the, the point of sale terminal I made, because originally it was just, I just wanted to pay Bitcoin over Lightning and then turn on a sweet machine. So I had a little e-paper dis display and I was able to show a QR code and you've paid the QR code and then it spout some sweets and then made new QR code. Then I realized you could plug in uh, a keypad so I could input the amount um, and then realize you can make a point of sale out of that. 
Um, and then having run having it run in, in room seventy seven in Berlin, Jörg, uh, he, I mean he's a he's a brick and mortar business, so he's as you know I don't wanna, I don't want to embarrass the guy, but he was like, oh man, I've got I've had a lot of throughput through my point of sale, and I need like the tax information yeah, I, need, like, <laughs> I need accounting i need to be able to export something to excel um or not excel you know uh, libra libra office calc libra calc obviously um so uh so i was like okay so i realized that there's a calling for something which kind of sat in the middle between the pos and the actual node itself something to kind of like add that functionality um so then i came up with uh, lm bits and um there was a bunch of other things I wanted to make as well. So I made like a, a an LNURL faucet, online faucet called the Sinclair faucet. It's like the first sort of online lightning faucet thing. You could just go to and get some some Bitcoin and you could like build, make your own, pay for your own faucet. Um, and uh, everyone kept asking me for the code for that, but the code was really sloppy and horrible. It wasn't free and open source. I didn't like the experience. Like I, I, I spent a lot of time building something and I was too embarrassed and it was too sucky to kind of like, let people you know look through and then because they'd probably find an exploit and then uh develop further so i realized like all that stuff just needs to be for an open source uh and lm bits is kind of like that so if i if i have a goofy idea so you, you know if i want to make like a faucets for example um then there's just an extension you can activate on lm bits and then you can make your own you know ln url faucets it also has uh you can easily generate a new wallet and the, the the wallet has its own API keys, so the POS can direct connect directly to that wallet. You could even have a different wallet for each POS if you wanted to. Um, it will run. It's very small, so LM bits will run. It's a small server. It will run on top of um, any node, you know, uh, and, and it can connect to any node on the back end, like C Lightning or LND, or you can even run it on something like OpenNode or um, LMPay. Um, uh so yeah it's just like an extension you start with a very simple wallet but you can then add these extensions for additional functionality um and that but that that grew like more or less exclusively out of the hardware stuff uh so it's, it's, it's kind of exciting to see that journey and then also um uh i don't know do you know um uh christian rutzel who runs the uh raspberry blitz project i think we had um, him on the show like half a year ago i want to say yeah he's been super like from day one he was like uh he was very encouraging about the, some of the projects i was looking at um but so one of the extensions on lm bits is one called tpos um and it's the ability so, so if you've got an lm bits running because you can run you know you can open it up on your phone um you can go to tpos and then quickly just generate a, a very simple shareable point of sale so I can then say if I work in a bar, I can then show a QR code on my phone. I can get all my the people who work in the bar to scan that QR code, and everyone's got a point of sale then, um, and it's air gapped from my actual node. It can't take any money. It doesn't even can't even get any information. All it can do is request invoices um, through their phones, just through a simple you know, uh, it's like a calculator. It looks like a calculator. You type in an amount and it converts it to your local currency and then shows a QR code. So it's really really um, idiot proof. Uh, you can just give it to like a no coiner. Um, well, Christian Rutzel's come up with probably like the easiest onboarding you could possibly imagine, uh, which is he's trying to roll out with the um, uh, the new Raspberry Blitz. Uh, and so it's airline bits running on top of the Raspberry Blitz, and it's using this TPOS extension. But the idea is that you could just go to a bar and you give them, you know, like a, a, a small bag um, with like fifty dollars in and a QR code, and you say, right, 
if you want to accept a Bitcoin, if, if anyone ever comes in here and wants to pay in Bitcoin, scan this QR code, enter the amount, let them pay, then take that money from the $50 and put the change in the bag. Um, so the actual merchant can accept Bitcoin, although they're not actually accepting Bitcoin. You're accepting the Bitcoin and you're selling uh, the Bitcoin. You're accepting the Bitcoin and then the merchant is then deducting it from your cash balance. But it, it just means that it's like, it's, it's, it really is just the, so you could even just say to your people working in your bar, right? If anyone ever comes in and asks to pay in Bitcoin, just scan this QR code, you know, pay on this, that point of sale thing from your phone, um, uh, you know, get accept the payment from there and then just uh, deduct the, the balance from the, the cash in the bag. So it's kind of being called cash in the bag. So that's a cool <laughs> little uh, onboarding exercise, which would be, which would be looking. I can't wait for all the coronavirus stuff to get out of the way so we can uh, start so onboarding. That way. <laughs> you can go back to the bar. Yeah, so we can go back to, oh yeah, goodness, I miss Room 77 so bad. You're the best beer. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Like that's kind of been an issue um, along like, throughout the entire history of, of this of this ecosystem is trying to get people who don't understand what's going on to start just just to start playing with it and then to use it in social scenarios and then from there, like when you're using it, especially in the in the context of like going to a bar and buying beer or food or whatever, uh, allowing that vendor to be able to account for it appropriately whenever they pay their taxes or whatever. Uh, and and that, and like small business services slash on ramping services are one of the main lacking things here. And with the kind of advent of these, I, you, can you call them proof of concept of like getting them to play with it to figure out where it breaks, where it doesn't work, um, where the problems are over time. Eventually, it turns into something that like it, it replacing the system altogether, just in a better way. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you've got to have like a range of onboarding so yeah you can have your hardcore onboarding give someone a node and a hardware wallet and all this other stuff but actually you know onboarding could start with them just having the ability to say bear bitcoin accepted here even if they're not actually keeping any of the bitcoin and then you know hopefully they'll be like wow we're getting quite a few of these payments on bitcoin people must be excited about it so maybe i'll start accepting and keeping the bitcoin um and then maybe you can like loop it out to like a hardware wallet or something uh, and then maybe you could talk them into running their own node and kind of get them more involved in the ecosystem. So I think, yeah, you're right completely. You have to, more work just has to be done on offering people like a range, or like a very simple, easy onboard. And then you kind of like that comes with an educational package, not in a sort of spammy way, but like, you know, because there is a custodial version of Alan Bits. And what we kind of hope to put in there is is kind of a tool, you know, tooltip thing every now and pops up will pop up and just say oh did you know that we charge you one percent for holding your funds on here per week um you can run your own node it's pretty easy follow this tutorial you know and then we won't charge you one percent so to kind of like encourage people to 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 take ownership um and have autonomy but but do it like by hand holding as opposed to chastising and waving a finger at them and saying you know not you. or the exact like, opposite of that like if you look at if you look at most custodial services they don't even give you those hints they're not like their their goal is to not get you to do the things yourself and take ownership for these types of things their goal is to grow as much as possible and and grow as a business the bottom line and when you have incentives like that you end up with things like coinbase and and the, and the same thing that I guess the all of this infrastructure is put in place to try and stop. And, yeah, and so, absolutely. So it's like, unless you have projects like this that are trying to actively educate people in a manner that allows them to continue business, um, but not like overwhelm them with 
all of the technicalities, which you can easily do. And anyone in the space who's tried to onboard their friends and family has, has quickly realized that it's it, talk telling them about hashes is not the way to go. But it's one of the yeah, it's just saying like it's sorry, really important, like you said, to kind of um, provide them an easy solution, but then nudge them in the direction of you want to make more money doing this are you comfortable with this all right we'll take the next step and do this other thing that then allows you to stop making us charge you for it it's like because i think we're still very early so we, we we're exposed to all the complexity but so for for example on Olympics we have an extension called lnurl w um, and you can make faucets and one of the features is you can print out like a sheet of faucets and i've just updated it so it prints out to a very standard sticker template so you could print out a sheet of these QR codes. Now the cool, it's very technical, but it's very cool. The, so an LNURL, if you scan it with a Lightning wallet, um, it will just suck the funds and you'll be able to get the funds into your Lightning wallet. If um, LNURL comes with a great feature, uh, it has a callback feature. So you, I can put a prefix of a URL before the LNURL and then in, embed that in the QR code. So if you scan the QR code with a wallet, you get the money. However, if you just scan the QR code, um, uh, it gives you a URL and you click on that URL. And in my case, it directs you to an LNBits Insta wallet thing. And, and then it uses the LNURL faucet or whatever to fund that wallet. So if that's a QR code and it's got like 200 sats on it, you'll scan it. You know, if you're a noob, you'll just scan it with your QR code scanner on your phone. You click on the link and then boom, you've got an Insta wallet and it's got 200 sats in it. And then the question is, what are sats? What do I do with them? So then hopefully we want to have like a tooltip journey where it's like, uh, so you wouldn't have it all the time. You could kind of put a setting in when you generate the, you know, the L and URLs, the faucets, um, that this is going to be for noobs. I'm going to go stick in my local town or village with free Bitcoin, you know, 200 sats, scan this and follow the link. And then there'll be like a tooltip journey and be like, okay, this is all very new. Uh, go to, I don't know, yours and experiment with like reading a, because that's always a, 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 a wow moment for, for no coin and stuff like that, like the yours uh, um, uh, experience. Uh, what I would like to have, and I need to do this, is, is um, have a very simple, cheap vending machine, maybe just like vending out Bitcoin stickers or something, which you could then go pay your 200 sats and basically just get a free Bitcoin sticker um uh but then through like just by paying to so you have you, you have the whole loop you know that you can receive mm -hmm. the bitcoin and then use that wallet to then pay and then get some stickers back and and then but the, but try and do it all through kind of like tool it's very it's very tricky but i think you know i'm bl blotting on about the lnurl fallback scheme blah, blah, blah. like that's confusing and complicated and, and it hurts your head but for the actual person who's just scanning a qr code they're getting some Bitcoin in this wallet, pretty cool. Um, and then they're going and scanning something and then paying to get some stickers out of the thing. Like that's a very simple experience, you know? Um, uh, so we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. All these layers of complexity underneath this, but then, you know, it's, it's like a duck. Well, that's how it works. And, it, and especially when you build layers, like the, the trying to, for, for someone who's never been exposed to this, um, starting off by trying to exploit talking about the lightning network or bitcoin you know i mean like there's there's so many layers here and as we keep making it to a point where like it's ubiquitous and built into how uh people use the internet there's going to be probably more layers and more abstraction and the way people use the internet today they don't know what's going on uh, what worries me uh, at least the, the way the internet is built today is it is it kind of enforces a uh 
a social standard of offloading responsibility to other people. And that's based on the way like you build on the internet and centralized infrastructure. Uh, and they've become very, very convenient or complacent with that type of thing. Everyone is that people don't remember their passwords. People don't care about their, the data on their phone or the data anywhere that they give it up. Uh, and getting over that hump is going to be difficult, especially if we as a community start to continue to build stuff that caters to it. So like, I think what you said earlier, it has to be somewhat educational as we continue to build this stuff out. Because yeah, if, we, if, yeah. we, if we just like say, fuck it, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll fix it and make it, make it as comfortable as you like it. We're going to end up making the same compromises. Yeah, and, yeah. and you were saying like making things secure as a developer is also hard. So like, especially when you're dealing with keys. So like, like, what do you, like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree, but I'm a little bit more optimistic in that I think that, you know, the proprietary closed centralized internet institutions such as Twitter, Google, whatever, they'll just kind of, they just kind of unravel themselves just through, um, you know, eventually it's just odds. They'll, they'll make bad choices. They'll annoy people. They'll annoy users. They'll keep showing users how actually they haven't got your data secured, you know, like we haven't had with the, the latest Twitter hack thing. I think people, so if you remember BlackBerry phones, I remember when hmm. they had like, a, um, I was teaching at the time and I was teaching very naughty kids. And they all had these BlackBerry phones because they had a, a private messaging facility. They could just send these private messages to each other. And at the time, there was a lot of controversy just among tech norms. Um, like, why, why should they have privacy? Well, you know, they could send all sorts of things. The terrorists are going to use it. And that people were really concerned about it. Whereas now, like normal people appreciate that, you know, something like telegram has some end-to-end -end encryption or WhatsApp or whatever else. And they appreciate and, and those services they advertise that as a feature so i think people are becoming more aware of, of of why privacy is important and like as more and more as people spend more and more time of their time on the internet um uh, they'll become more aware that privacy is important and they'll start to take more ownership over their privacy and inevitably i think free and open source will just outrun any proprietary service eventually um uh, particularly the, the 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 larger services like something like a, a Twitter or a, a Google, to me, it makes more sense that it, it kind of just becomes like a protocol, you know, free and open source and is, is, isn't is directly controlled by, you know, a small group of people um, is controlled by the users. So and I think that would probably will probably happen over time, but it's just it's just a matter of kind of weighing it out, I suppose. Uh, but but the, I mean, there are more and more privacy centric solutions uh, available to people and people are choosing them more and more over um, uh, services which don't value privacy. So I think it is getting better. The, I do agree the, with you that that uh, like the overall understanding and desire for privacy and security is growing within like the like normal zeitgeist. Uh, I'm not as optimistic as, as you are about them wanting to take ownership of it, uh, at least in the near term. Uh, it's one of those situations where like, I want this thing, so take care of it for me. Uh, but that then then leads to them maybe taking ownership after that. But I wanted to like switch gears a little bit. Um, and it it kind of stays in the security vein. Uh, some of the other things you do in the videos you put out are almost like uh, do-it-yourself hardware wallets for people. And I'm, yeah. I'm personally like, I love do-it-yourself projects. I love breaking things, putting them back together, or creating things that, you know, out of parts that, have, that are that are someone else threw away. Uh, can you explain what that kind of concept is or what you've been doing there for the uh, audience that doesn't know? 
Well, I mean, so uh, as all Bitcoiners will know that we, we place a lot of emphasis on running your own node and trying to take ownership and understand how what's, you know, running your node um, uh, and then managing your own keys. And But we don't really take ownership over building our own hardware wallets. Hardware wallets are actually fairly simple things. Um, uh, um, your password they're, they're usually, Yeah, exactly. And they're usually pretty overpriced, like considering where uh, hardware is now. Um, so, and... Uh, to have it makes sense that they, I I think there should be a DIY hardware wallet scene of people developing and building hardware wallets. And what you would have if you had like a scene of people developing their own hardware wallets is is people would innovate and they would come up with, you know, new ideas. So the first hardware wallet I think experiment I made was is called the Cooper, and it was just a watch only wallet. So you gave it a Bitcoin public key, and then it just used Bit thirty nine to you know do the derivation thing, and then just like give you a fresh public so every time you charged it or gave some power it give you a fresh public key um but it displayed it on an e-paper screen so you could just power it on for like a second it would get it would just generate a new public key it wasn't connected to anything um and you could use that fresh public key and there was no way from that fresh public key on that e-paper screen you know there's no way somebody could get any more information than just you know it's just a fresh um uh what's it called a child public key mm-hmm. um and that a, a for me that was a great learning experience because I learned a little bit more about keys, and I included uh, if you watch the the Cooper video um, uh, tutorial video, there's quite a lot of information on there about um, just how keys work um, and how you have like a master key and, and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, and then that then developed in the into the Bowser. But what you you also have so there's a lot there's a few benefits. One of the like the supply chain attack, you know um so recently there's just been a, a i think it was uh, just like last week sometime uh ledger uh lost like thousands of if, if user emails they were they were breached and and um people who bought ledgers suddenly their emails were exposed and their identity were exposed so that's you know that's a proper supply chain attack uh whereas if you're buying like off the shelf arduino components which you know they make huge quantities of much more larger than the, the your, your, your trezor components or your, or your ledger components uh, if you're just buying them off the shelf there's no way that the, that factory the, the people who are spitting out those components will know that it will one day end up turning into a hardware wallet so you 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 avoid the supply chain attack which is a, a huge attack vector and it does worry me about any funds stored on any hardware device um uh, you bring the cost down and then you increase innovation and you also you learn a lot about, you know, I mean, my, as I said, I'm a hobbyist. My tutorials are not like rocket science, but, you know, I learned a lot making the Cooper and then um, uh, then making the Bowser. I learned a whole lot more. Uh, so the concept for the Bowser as well was, I mean, so it's a it's a, what's called an M5 stack, which is essentially it's got a microcontroller called an ESP32, which is the sort of standard microcontroller I use for all my projects or try to use for all my projects. But it's like packaged together into a nice little box and it's got a couple of buttons. Um, and uh, you can you can you can make a hardware wallet out of it, and then you can send funds to it, store funds in it, um, and it's secured by a um, by a pin, which use because uh, I've only got the three buttons, so I actually use mm-hmm. Morse code for the pin, which I th- I think is like <laughs> I've never seen a hardware wallet using Morse code before. I like it. I like using Morse code. Um, I don't know whether it adds any value, but it's fun. <laughs> uh, and the actual the actual hardware wallet itself is hidden behind a Tetris game, so. If you were going so far as like going 
to I don't know, the US and I was taking some Bitcoin with me on this hardware wallet, if I was stopped and say, what's that thing? I'd just say, oh, it's just a Tetris game. And you press the button and then, you know, it's a like a Bowser themed Tetris game. I actually called it the um, Bowser Tetris something. It's like BTC. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's Bowser Tetris something. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, um, but if you if you press a button at the right time, it then goes into this little back end, you know, secret hardware wallet thing. So that's an added functionality. You've you've, you've disguised um, a hardware wallet as just like a Tetris game module thing. Um, uh, and, you know, that was just me spending a, like a day or two just trying to think of some sort of unique edge or slant on, on a hardware wallet. So I'd really love to see. I kind of put some tweets out um of you know building a hardware wallet uh what was one of them but building a hardware wallet's a bit like building a lightsaber only really necessary if you want to be a jedi you know trying to entice people into taking a little bit more ownership over um <laughs> over running their own stuff so but i mean i, I would love to see uh, a scene of people um building hardware I, I hope that when um again when all the coronavirus safari stuff moves out of the way and i I'd, i run a couple of workshops when i go to some of these conferences i'm, I'm really going to try and make like a, a diy hardware wallet workshop thing where we try and knock out a whole bunch of like innovative weird and wonderful hardware wallets obviously you have to be careful because you know you're dealing with funds um but just make sure you know you back up the seed and 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 you know, I, I I was surprised when I made my Goofy hardware wallet and I was like, oh, God, hesitantly sending some Bitcoin to it. I was surprised after a while how secure I felt about it, you know, and how happy I was with that. I was like, yeah, I could send some Bitcoin to this. And at, in fact, at some point, I need to kind of like explore using it as part of a multi-sig thing. So you could have like a Trezor, but then also have like a DIY hardware wallet. Uh, so, you know, so you remove the supply chain attack. Um uh, that, There's a lot of fun just, things you can do. Like once you start diving into the world of uh, how you manage your keys, because ultimately, like uh, I've said this before a lot on the podcast, um, if if the one thing that happens from all of this, um, it's not sufficient for me, but it's wonderful if we just get people using asymmetric cryptography and like we we solve a lot of the key management issues that are that were rampant before Bitcoin started existing and and things like this, like this these kind of initiatives to get people to hack around and play and make things that. Um, are useful, but also incredibly educational uh, in the process of making them. Like you said, you learned a lot every time you build one of these things. You learn how keys work. You learn where the pitfalls are. You learn how pretty secure they are, If you know, even if you lose the damn thing because you have your seed phrase. Um, you learn how like really valuable the seed phrase is. All this stuff you kind of yeah. figure out in the process of playing with it. Uh, so like, I definitely like support you in that. And if you end up doing... Uh, any type of these like workshops and tutorials for things, please let us know so we can broadcast that out. Oh yeah, most definitely. No, I will. And, um, uh, you know, if anyone's interested, the hardware itself is, is, is you can pick it up off, you know, AliExpress or Amazon for like, well, the, the, the hardware wallet one, it's like 30, $40. Um, but the other stuff I do. So one of the projects I've got is a $9 lightning point of sale terminal. Um, so the hardware all costs like $9. It's like a 50 cent keypad and a, four dollar microcontroller um and uh you know a couple of dollars on a screen and then uh what else has got in it maybe some little wires or something yeah it works out about just under nine dollars um send us a link for that and put it in the show notes yeah no i will i was actually when i so I, I went to when i went to bitcoin conf the 2019 one in um san francisco i gave out a kit so i was like uh, who was it? Actually, OpenNode sponsored a bunch of kits. No, sorry. 
Oh, I think it was Open Node and the Bitcoin Conf itself had sponsored a bunch of kits. Um, but then they were a little bit more expensive because I was using the e-paper module. So they're about $15 each, the kit, or maybe $20. Anyway, so I had like 20 of these kits and I was giving them away to people. Um, and, uh, oh, goodness, crikey, what's his name? I'm going to feel terrible now if I don't remember his name. I gave a kit to this like really nice, affable, old school um, security, you know, crypto guy like proper crypto like crypt cryptography not you know cryptocurrency mm-hmm. um crypto guy and he's really excited about it he thought it was super cool um and he he's worked with christopher allen and he's made a great project i can't remember the name of either this is that time of the night um uh, which and it's 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 using the same hardware which i gave him but it, he's made this um box which he, he has a whole bunch of just like general crypto tools in it i have to but it's yeah, a, it's send a, me that link. I'd like to put that in the show notes yeah. too. Oh goodness me! I tell you what, yeah, I'll send you the link, and I'll, and then you can put it in the show notes. Um, but that's a great project, and that's that's like Christopher Allen. He's you know he's he's pretty you know important yeah, dude legit. really. Um, <laughs> uh, and that was just from like goofy old me just giving getting getting someone excited about something and giving them a kit. Um, uh, he did actually send me at some point. He sent me because uh, he's printed out like he's really printed a really nice box for it. Because I think at the time I was using, I was just like part of the two, part of the workshop yeah. was okay. Find a random cardboard box now to put this <laughs> in. So he printed out a really nice box for it and everything. So it, again, like it's just great, like trying to inspire people to do stuff, you know. Uh, particularly if if the people who are picking up the thing you're doing are like so much better than you when it comes to developing it's just and, and like initiating that spark and I mean people like figure that out they can bring their own domain expertise in and like take it beyond what you thought it could be in the first place so like that's the whole point is like getting it in front of people where they're like oh that's cool i could do this yeah. with this and that's the same thing you did with like the pos terminal right it's like oh that's cool i can add this to it or like what if it had this feature so on and so forth and then things evolve based on their own but like you need the kind of spunk or initiation to just get something fun out there and show show it to people so that they can then get that spark and take it wherever they want to go. And that's kind of the whole point of the movement. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly that's how the whole uh, Bitcoin ecosystem grows. And then, you know, admittedly, like so much of my stuff I've just nicked from Arduino communities projects. So it's just the way the, the batting kind of gets passed around. We're all kind of like bridges to pass information from, you know, one yep. person to another, aren't we? Um, uh, uh, so so yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other projects which I wouldn't mind mentioning. Oh, Muffin Man's quite nice. So that's taking some of the same hardware which I've always used, and you can make like a node uh, monitor, so it like monitors your LND node, tells you if it's down, um, and then gives you some information. You can also generate an invoice on it. Um, uh, that's pretty cool. There's the someone actually tweeted out today, and I completely forgotten about it. You can use that same M5 stack which I use for the hardware wallet tutorial and there's a project uh on the github so on my github by the way is um arc btc uh so if you go on there it's got all my my repos on uh but there's a, a one which i made ages ago called physically faucet and that's that's like an lnurl faucet but it's in one of these little m5 stack things and you just press the button and it just gives you so you could like you know if you're at a conference or something or if you went to a, a meetup or you could just like press a button and then it just gives you a QR code, you scan it, and then boom, you get some get some uh, get some sats in your wallet. Um the foster the free mitigates all that kind of like fumbling around when you go to like yeah. meetups and you want to like try and show them something. We're like, here, here's some cats. Now let's do that thing we were just talking about, as opposed to like the the 15 minute thing you have to do to try and get things set up appropriately. Otherwise, well, I mean, 
you could even go on uh, if you went on. So you could run your LM bits yourself, of course. But if you go on lmbits.com, you could use the LNURLW extension and you could generate a, a, a faucet. But you could have one which um, you can use multiple times. So you could just then literally print that out and take it, yeah. you know, and just say, yeah, scan that. Someone will scan it and then boom, they've got a, an Insta wallet or they've got sats on their phone. Um, uh, I love the LNURL stuff. Um, again, because it's just simplifying all that crazy footwork which the, the the duck's doing to move itself through the water like it's um <laughs> all caught uh, on the surface then, crazy on the bottom yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah uh so it's been great watching that grow and actually so ages ago i put like a post on the bitcoin um is that my only ever uh, i'm quite proud of it actually my only ever uh email to the the bitcoin dev mailing list which i'm, I'm proud of it but i actually posted it in the wrong place you should post it on the lightning dev mailing list to be fair um and in it, I was just saying, because me, Christian, Rutzel, and then uh, George Vefekeras, uh, who's a guy from New York, who worked on like um, an arcade machine project, which is pretty cool. Um, we we really wanted the ability to like, for a, a Lightning wallet to do a get request, receive an invoice, and then say, do you want to pay this invoice? Yes. Because that would mean you can have like a super QR, small QR code. It's just like URL, basically, and you're scanning with your wallet. And then your wallet's just doing a get request and getting the, the invoice. Um, and then you just confirm whether you want to pay it or not pay it. Uh, so we hit up, we even hit up Zap and see, tried to see if we could get them to implement something. But it kind of lost its, you know, lost its um, momentum. But I did post uh, uh, like a, a suggestion saying, just because it will help inform Lightning Network development, can we try and make something um, which has this functionality? Can we just agree on? It's not. It's like a standard, you know, uh, for for all the wallets to follow this thing. Um, but no one picked up on it. Um, uh, the only person who actually picked up on it was Fiat Jaff, and he emailed me back. And at that exact same point, Fiat Jaff and Anton from uh, BLW were working on LNURLW. Uh, sorry, LNURL. Um, uh, so that was cool to kind of like be a part of that of history but exactly like i actually because i already thought about it at the time and i was thinking you know lightning network developers it's like me when i'm, I'm developing my my stuff you know i i need something in the wild and i need people to be experimenting with it and showing me what they're using it for so rather than lightning network developers thinking okay well people have asked for the ability to be able to send you know scan static qr codes and send bitcoin to it or receive bitcoin whatever but how exactly will that work rather than rather than just kind of trying to think of it conceptually it made sense to make a standard like LNURL, url which is like a wallet thing and then the lightning developers are then like oh okay this is what they're using it for you know everyone's using mm -hmm. it for faucets okay well we'll you know make something like key sign um not key sense sorry we will make some way to kind of have like a pull payment system um so it's been nice watching uh ln url um uh inform lightning network development which it has done um uh, so it's been it's been good because i mean that really was like a, a movement from the trenches it was it was you know the the users of the lightning network saying this isn't working as we want it to work so we're going to implement off our own backs we're going to make wallets use the standard uh so that was really cool but it, again it's it, it's a testament to the some people they look at Bitcoin and they see like a small group of developers on Bitcoin Core. They'll smaller see a small group of developers um, on Lightning um, Network, but I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, they they all their decision making is it's informed by what people want and what people um, are pushing. Um, 
and uh, and then ultimately people will run the software they want to run. So it, it really isn't like it's 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 development does happen from the trenches. You know, anybody can have an idea for something and or some functionality they want on Bitcoin or on Lightning Network. And if they just put some legwork in there and it's a good idea, then it will make it in and it will you know it will um, it'll be able to have some some impact. Uh, so that was a great experience as well, a great sort of learning experience seeing that process happen. Um, right on. Uh, yeah, so like, but, I think that's a that's kind of a great story to wrap wrap this up. We have one more question that we always ask. Um, sure. Is, uh, and it's typically one of our hardest ones, of course. In ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Permissionless, controlled, and regulated by the community as a whole. Repeat that. Permissionless, controlled, and regulated by the community as a whole. I what like is it? That. Sorry, ten words to to, to describe Bitcoin. Yeah, what, what, could, to explain uh, Bitcoin I, 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 in ten words or less. Explain to who? To like? It's up to you. To, to, to <laughs> I don't. It's up to you. If I explain, that's the it, whole point. I sound like the crazed evangelical Bitcoiner who's you know wild-eyed. Uh, but no, it's a it's a um, uh, um, it's a it's a, a a timeline of truths which things can be pegged to. Um, and I can't go any further than that, I suppose, because I've run up my 10 words. But it's a timeline <laughs> of things can be pegged to. We currently use it for value transfer, but I'm sure it'll be used for a hell of a lot more in the future. Yep, I like that. And, uh, it's interesting. I, I, the whole point of that is to make is to force people to kind of uh, abstract as much as they possibly can and get to the core of why they like this stuff. Uh, and like how they... Well, that, for me, things. that's it. I mean, yeah, for me, it's... it's, it's I, I, you know, the digital gold uh, analogy for me, it's like, you know, digital gold, you know, actual gold. When people found this lovely shiny metal on the surface, on the ground, the first thing they did was they started like passing it between each other for value um, and then trying to store value in it. But they weren't aware of all the amazing commodity uses this thing had um, and, and all the things we use it for now in computing and dentistry, whatever else. Um, so uh, Bitcoin's the same, like this, the, 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 the this, you've you've almost created like a, a, a time itself like you're, you can peg truths to a moment in time um but but what those truths are i don't know i mean you, you could use it for proving that i sent value to you or you could use it to well, who knows who knows what, what conceptually you could do with it but it's it's all i know is in a in a in a, in a digital world where things are very easily replicable uh to have something digitally scarce and something you can peg truth to is very important um so i, mean, I can't wait for the digital for the um uh, commodity uses of bitcoin so i do think it's a commodity money it's just we haven't found the commodity uses yet but we will one day <laughs> all right ben i appreciate you coming on the show um i really enjoyed this conversation and um real quick tell people how they can get a hold of you um watch your content and contribute yeah so uh you can I mean, you can hit me on Twitter on BTC um, BTC Socialist, or if you go on the World Crypto Network, I have a playlist called BTC IoT. So if you just go to the World Crypto Network on uh, sorry on YouTube, um, there's the playlist tab. Click on the playlist tab and then scroll. You'll be able to find the um, uh, BTC IoT. I've got like 20, 20 to thirty tutorials on there, and they start um, pretty simple, and then we kind of work our way up. As I said, I'm a hobbyist. So if I can build these things, so can you. Um, and uh, gifted and uh, uh, actual proper developers, very, very welcome to to join in and help out on the projects because, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks again. Cheers, man. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. I enjoyed it.
and welcome back. We hope you love that interview. We hope you get to hacking because, you know, that's we know you're going to because you're a fucking nerd. Just like <laughs> just, just like us. You're going to fucking hack some shit. I don't hack much, really. Uh, the, oh, the best hack you've I ever did room. in my life. Oh, yeah. Corey is a genuine hacker. Like, I am impressed, like, with the shit that you're just, like, casually doing. But me... I uh, the best thing hack the best hacking I did was uh, um, let's see map editing in Age of Empires three shit was fire bro and that's about it like that's it this is and that's it so maybe the forge in Halo three uh, did some hacking there so um, I, you, you to, guys you are used to break amazing. apart I'm trying to think I you used to break apart everything when you were a kid oh yeah that was when I was a kid but that's not taking hacking. apart. Yeah, I guess you can't put it back together and do anything with it. <laughs> it's just breaking it. But like that, that's that's all that's that's the same mentality of any hacker. It's just like, how does this work? I'm gonna take it apart. I hope I can get it back together. And then once you do that enough, you figure out like what the pieces do. And you can put them back you can put them back, put multiple things back together in new ways, and then you have that new thing. That's all hacking is. And then you have like I- offensive hacking, which is just like understanding how something works and then using it for a malicious game. I remember when when child abuse was the norm, uh, my dad smacked me into heaven and pulled me back because I thought I was building him a super tool. So I went into his wood. I went into his wood like tool case thing. Oh, for those that like, don't know, before you continue, before you continue, for those that don't know, uh, like Dee's father is a master craftsman. Like he makes some of the most beautiful yeah. furniture I've ever seen in my entire life. It's pretty good shit. And he's opening a business, so maybe he's you know I'll give him some free advertising pops on the on the house for you know, you know like making me alive and shit. So then, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, so I go into his toolkit and I'm like I'm just gonna build him a super tool. So I just start taking apart all of his tools oh and God. then finding <laughs> finding screws and bolts that fit together to fasten them together. And I made this like Frankenstein ratchet thing that I thought I thought it was awesome. It had rope. It had a rope support. And I was like, look, pops, <laughs> I made you a super tool. <laughs> I, made you, I made you a super tool from all of your regular tools. Like now you can do all the things with just one tool because that's how kids think. And I just remember I got smacked into oblivion. Like that was like one punch man status because I'm pretty sure I ruined hundreds of dollars of tools. And that was the day but, D stopped hacking on things. That was the day. That was the day I stopped hacking. Anyways, um, that's it, guys. We don't have much. Go to the bitcoinpodcast.com. Uh, if you go to the bitcoinpodcast.network, it's not going to work because Corey can't pay bills. <laughs> he can't. Yeah, I didn't. Bills. That's not me. I didn't. I didn't. Never got that one. Who got it? Cello got that. Cello got that. It is gone then because (laughs) I don't know how we get it back. So go to the BitcoinPodcast.com or the BlockchainPodcast.com or I think we have LightchainPodcast.net. I think we have the EtherealPodcast.com too. We have the EtherealPodcast.com and the EtherealPodcast.net. None none of that matters. Uh, Go to the BitcoinPodcast.com. Join the Slack. Uh, also, mm. what you need to keep in mind is that the network is breaking up. Hashing it out mm. will eventually be on its own. Uh, so be on the lookout for subscribing to that if you want to keep listening to Hashing It Out. 
We'll keep playing it on here for like 10 more episodes or so, and then it'll be gone. And it's just us, baby. Yeah, and then maybe, uh, you, I don't know, we, well, we haven't figured out what we're doing with YouTube. Maybe YouTube stays with, you know, we want to, we want to keep Jesse. Jesse's just going to stay with us. So we'll figure that out. Yeah. yeah so, uh, Jesse, do you want a better nickname than the one that I gave you that doesn't make any no, sense? No, I'm I like the one that makes no sense. You have a lot of bracelets on. Because I, I he raves, bro. Yeah, raver. <laughs> He's a raver, for sure. Uh, one time when we got on to do What the Header, I saw him with those little gloves with the lights in the fingertips. Wait, what? No. Playing Darude no. Sandstorm in the background? No. And he no. was just doing that no, to himself. Believe that. Stop. Stop that. <laughs> I, once, I, once, I was driving by his house one day, and I saw him in the front yard doing like the, like the, the, the fire sticks. You know, like he's like doing a light <laughs> show for some dude. Yeah, he's been trying to teach me how to shuffle for like a month, and I'm like Jesse, I can't shuffle. I just don't. I don't have the agility. And he's like, come on, do you can do it? Just pick up those knees. And I'm just like, all right, Jesse, I'll never be a raver like you. Oh my God. All right, guys, shout out to Zoe Saldana and Zotzi Beats. And uh, damn, who's that? Uh, there's another. Anyways. Play the outro.